Elizabeth Mower, president of BEI. And I'm John Brown, the founder of BEI. Each episode, we take you into the world of exit planning, sharing the stories, struggles, and opportunities of business owners and their advisors. Hello, everyone. John Brown is out today. I am joined instead by a special guest who's agreed to come and talk with us. Her name is Sarah Grillo. Sarah has a financial services background, working with clients for many years, but has transitioned into consulting to the professional services firms all over the country, really. And she has her own sort of content that she puts out that we can talk about at the end. But uh, I had some questions for Sarah, and I thought that this might be a good opportunity to share those with everyone who listens. So, Sarah, thanks for being here. You betcha. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So, Sarah, how did you, you know, you have sort of a history of, it's not that different from mine, actually. I was sort <laughs> of in the, in the client, um, sort of client to professional world for many years, and doing my own work, developing my own business, um, managing my own client relationships. And so I know quite a lot about clients and how they think and how they act in within the, my particular area of expertise, which is exit planning for business owners. And then I transitioned into a role where I'm really sort of I'm really sort of supporting and and facilitating a large number of of professional firms like CPA firms, financial planning firms, insurance advisory firms, and investments, uh, lawyers, law firms, etc. So now I'm in, I'm sort of I'm sort of providing tools to them, providing resources to them, and and supporting the work that they're doing with business owners. And your background is really kind of a similar pattern, although in a different profession, right? Yeah. Well. You know, I have four kids under six years old. I literally have four kids under six years old. Like I'm not even exaggerating about that. And <laughs> they <laughs> and exaggerate themselves. We don't have to do it for the them. Correct Mundo. So what happened was after my second baby, it just became impossible to be a financial advisor. Um, and it's not that other women haven't done this or can't do this, but just for me, it was like, how many times am I going to get all the way to Midtown? I live in New York City, like battle the subway, get all the way to Midtown for a nine o'clock meeting, and then 930, get an email from the daycare or a, a notice from the daycare that like my kid has a hundred degree fever and I have to go back and pick her up and all my meetings are canceled for the day. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I just needed something that I could do to work from home. And I remember sitting there like, look, I got bills to pay and now I have two kids. And, um, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you don't get maternity leave pay either. Right. So there I was new baby and I'm like, I need to make money. And this is actually a great message for people who might just want to develop leads from the internet. It absolutely is possible for, I think almost every single profession, and I'm a testament to that because I sat there and I started typing because I couldn't do anything else. I couldn't get up and go to meetings and be at, like a lot of times, you know, you'll have to meet with clients after work, after work, the work day is over, like between 5.30 and 8.30. It's like that, that is possibly the worst time of the day. Like there's, you're never getting away. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Bath time, bedtime, get to defend the kids from the monsters, right? Like, mm -hmm. so it's actually 
like I'm a, I'm a supporter of what I do and it's not just lip service and it's because this is how I got myself from zero to the substantial amount of money that I'm making every year. I did it from my house with a laptop and an internet connection and that's about it. Nice. Okay. Well, I, th I agree that, that, you know, so you're both the advisor, you're, you're not both, you're all of the advisor and the uh, person who needed to, to find a new and creative way to develop client relationships and the consultant who teaches some of those, some of those ways now. So what I'm hoping is that, is that what we can talk about is, you know, from both Really, the thing that really interests me is the, is the idea from both the advisor side, you and I both know a lot of professional advisors, we've spent a lot of time with them, we kind of know how they think, and in certain areas, which I hope you'll talk about, they can be um, afraid or suspicious or anxious about doing a particular kind of thing, but also from the client side. So if we're, if we're going to talk about how professionals and clients either you know find each other or connect online what are the clients what are people who who are online looking for help what are they looking for and, and so I'd like to sort of come at it from both angles because it helps me kind of understand understand the bigger picture and so and so probably the easiest place to start is really to say okay so the internet is out there there are a lot of people and there's a lot of information so we all agree on that okay well if i'm if i'm just making a decision to to take a creative or new or different approach to trying to find people who are a good fit for me i'm either an advisor and i want to know where i can find mm -hmm. you know what in sales or marketing would be called leads but just you know what the what those people that you find are they they just consider themselves to be people and where do i where is it really a thing to to be online and to be able to find and get enough information to make a determination about the likelihood of a of a potential fit um, not that we confirm anything but just that we have information that's that's useful to move forward on is that even is that even possible? You're, you said you said you think it is. Well, why why is it possible? Well, that's a great question. So, I mean, if you're dealing with professionals, if you want to meet, if you're uh, you know you want to meet business owners, or you want to meet anyone that's in business, anyone who's not retired, okay, I would just use LinkedIn. So, what you would do is you would do a LinkedIn search and then send them a LinkedIn message. And now there's a very specific way that you do that that I'm gonna get to, okay? But I just wanna call attention to the fact that this is not like 20 years ago when you didn't know what anyone was thinking and the world was operating in silos. I remember when I was in college 20 years ago, following up, follow, uh, showing up for my first day of work at Fidelity Investments and thinking, I don't know my boss, I don't know any of the people I'm gonna work with, I don't really know what Fidelity's views are on a lot of things. It was like all you had was really the television, okay? Mm -hmm. And right. that was how you would find out about other companies and what they were doing. And it's just not like that anymore. I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but the information is all there. It's there. It's on the internet. And a lot of it is on LinkedIn. It's visible and it's free. And so this is a gift. I don't know why everyone isn't doing this. I know that a lot of people are doing it, but I know that most of them are doing it incorrectly. And what I'm going to tell you is the correct way to do it. And a lot of this is like prevention or undoing a lot of the things that the marketing community itself has taught you. 
And right. So, okay. And so I'm going to get to that. Okay. Hmm. Um, first of all, if you're not on LinkedIn, then get an Excel sheet and get started. Write down everybody that you could possibly have a business connection to. I mean, literally, these should be hundreds and hundreds of people, people you went, got your MBA with, people from law school, people that were past clients, you know, clients of a firm that you used to work at, vendors to your firm. You never know, like salespeople, salespeople are, are actually great connections. I know that, you know, a lot of us marketing people, like we're viewed as trying to promote our agendas on the internet. But if you can get past that, salespeople are tremendous connections because they are in the business of getting to know people and to be known. So you right. would very, like they know reporters, they know centers of influence, and a lot of them are very kind of amicable, very open people. So you never know how that could benefit you. A lot of people say, oh, the you know Verizon person tried to connect with me on LinkedIn, I shut them down or something like that. You may even wanna think about connecting with your competitors. And now I don't mean someone that's in the direct, like a direct competitor, like in the same exact market as you, but I have had such business growth. I would say like the, the strongest moves I've made as a business have come from some interaction I've had with a competitor um, because they inspire me and because they understand my world. And so I don't necessarily recommend that like if you're a CPA in Dayton, Ohio, that you go meet up with and strategize with the CPA firm in the building next door. But you can get a lot out of what I've seen like these study groups where people like financial advisor in Minnesota partners up with financial advisor in Florida and they have like, and, and then there's someone from Boston because they're not in each other's markets, but mm -hmm. they, they understand each other's worlds and the challenges. I've seen so much positive productivity come from that. It's not even funny, but anyways, so get on LinkedIn, get to connect to all these people. Okay. Um, but get, but do something really, really different and everyone is scared to be different because they're worried that they're going to lose people or that what they put out there won't be accepted by everybody. If you're not accepted by everybody, then that is a good thing because that is saying that you are doing something different because if you weren't, then people would just accept it. Okay. So don't view that as a negative signal. I encourage people to get a niche. Now I'm going to tell you business owner is not a niche. Let me repeat that. Business owner is not a niche. It's like these financial advisors that I hear that they say, oh, I'm going to focus on women. Oh, I'm a financial advisor. I work with women. Oh, great. Like I'm a woman. Um, you know, a lot of these financial advisors I wouldn't work with that are these female, you know, focused financial advisors. It's like, what kind of woman do you work with? There's single mom, like a single mother's financial situation is altogether probably a little bit different from a woman who is not single or divorced, right? There's divorcing women, divorced or divorcing women. They have maybe different financial makeup. Um, you know, financial executives that are female financial executives at large companies, like female woman entrepreneur, like me, right? My financial situation is so different from someone who's maybe making an equivalent amount of income working at Intel. Okay. Right. So like, you really got to ratchet down. Like you really got to get in there and you got to think about what is it that I can say on the internet, which is a very crowded space. Like this isn't like two people sitting on a park bench anymore. Okay. This is like a football stadium. You think you're going to get on the internet and go out there and say, I'm a CPA and I focus on working with business owners. You are entering a football stadium of CPAs that work with business owners. 
Okay, so you've got to differentiate yourself. You've got to, I don't know, you know, dress a little bit differently. You've got to get a snappier LinkedIn description or a title. You've got to get a really interesting niche. I work with business owners who um, are, you know, two years out of, out of uh, business, selling business and want a succession plan something like that. I work with business owners who have already bought and sold a business. That, that could be another niche entirely, but you've really got to drill down in there and you'll find that on the internet, there are enough people to fill that niche. Like whatever, like you could be like, I work with entrepreneurs who also do fly fishing as a hobby. Right. I work with entrepreneurs who also love wine, who are wine connoisseurs. Like, I, I mean, you, you would think, oh, who would ever be interested in that? You put that out there, you'd be surprised at the people that you find. But you also have to go search for them. If you don't know how LinkedIn search works, you should use it. Because this is a way that you can really create your target audience, pinpoint them, and then reach them through LinkedIn Messenger. Now, here's what most people do wrong. Am I talking too much, Elizabeth? Do you want to ask me a question? you want me to stop talking? you want me to go on? I will interrupt you if I, okay. if I feel like I need to. But instead, I'm listening. Okay, good. So I have a nugget here for all of you. So when you're sending messages over LinkedIn Messenger, you want to think of it that you're text messaging somebody through LinkedIn. I hate it when I'm assaulted by these people that like I connect with them and they say something like this, right? They'll, they're okay. So like I have a podcast myself, right? And so I always get these podcast people that are like, I would love to edit your podcast or they, they send me a LinkedIn message like, Hey, I'm a podcast editor. I'd love to stay in touch so that we can, you know, and, and learn more about what we do and we can be connections or we can be partners or we can be colleagues or whatever. Right. They say something kind of innocuous. Mm -hmm. And I accept it thinking, oh, I may possibly need this service in the future, but I'd also love to just receive this person's updates and get to know them and maybe have them listen to my show and this or that and tell me what they think they can do for me, maybe, right? No one has ever done that, though. Every single time I accept a, a request from one of these podcast editing people, the next message is always this. Oh, hey, Sarah, here's a list of our rates and we're running a promotion right now. Um, you know, we really love to have you come on as a client and this is about our service, the barfing, right? Don't barf on LinkedIn. That's my nugget. No barfing. Okay. Don't puke information. If you puke information in the connection request, they're not even going to connect with you. This is why people go on LinkedIn and they're like, LinkedIn doesn't work. It doesn't work. These social media people are crazy. It's like, learn a few things about how people want to be communicated with. Okay. Like, don't barf on them in the connection request or they're not going to connect with you. And then once you get them connected with you and Elizabeth, this is going to go to your question of like, how do I know the person's qualified? Start sending them information that might possibly help them in their life or their business. Okay. Right. Like don't send me a podcast in editing fee schedule. Okay. Like maybe if I, if you know, I have a podcast and like, also if you're working with business owners, right. Why don't you take a minute and find out what my business is about? Like nobody that's wants to edit this podcast of mine even knows anything about my podcast. And it's like, how obvious does it need to be? It's on iTunes for heaven's sake. Like no one has even listened to one episode of my podcast to know if I even have an editor already. Okay. So, and this is the same thing with business owners. Like I also hate this. I myself, am a business owner. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I get a lot of visibility. Okay. People connect with me all the time. 
And then they propose to do things for my business. I even get pitches from financial advisors that don't even take the time to research me and know that I do marketing for other financial advisors. And I used to be a financial advisor. Like, right. and so they're sending me these pitches like, oh, you know, we'd love to sit down and talk about retirement with you. It's like, get out of here, dude. I'm disconnecting from you. Stop spam barfing on me. Okay. And, you know, and, and it's already these business, these like vendors that want to do provide services to me and they're pitching me, but they've never taken a moment to make it a customized pitch. You know, like, for example, one thing I think I could do better with is graphic design, like on my social media, it's obvious, like my graphics are not great. Not one person, not one of these vendors has ever come to me and said, and I connect with them. I give them the chance. It's like the door is wide open, but no one has ever come to me and said, you know, I was looking at your last five podcasts. I was looking at your last five LinkedIn postings. I think the graphics could be a little bit better. Now, based on the niche that you're in, you know, working with financial services, we actually do have some clients that we've, we've helped in this, in this area. Do you suppose you'd like to maybe see some examples of this sometime? I would say, yes, 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 yes. Thank you for not barfing on me. You see, mm -hmm. because you took the time, you withheld the barf and you took the time to speak to me like I'm a human being. Mm -hmm. You should be getting one response for every 10 LinkedIn messages or you're doing something wrong. If you're not getting one out of 10 people express, yes, I'm accepting this connection request. Yes, I'm interested in this. Oh yes, that is what I do for a living. Let's talk whatever. Then you're doing something wrong and keep it to two sentences when you communicate. This is a text message. This is not uh, a Shakespearean um, sonnet, okay? Like you cannot barf on people and then expect them to respond to you because life is just happening too fast. This is online. So. Like I have, because I have four kids and they're all like young, I have to communicate really quickly or else they'll take me over. Okay. And so I've gotten used to just communicating in two sentences. Stop doing that or I'm going to call Santa. Okay. So use two sentences. One of them is a statement. And then the second one is a question. Hello. I'll use you Elizabeth as an example. Hello, Elizabeth. I see that you, um, you know, are a business owner in the, you know, like whatever, greater Denver area or something like that. Mm -hmm. Sorry if I got your geography right. I'm in Denver, you're right. Right, okay. See, it is even called, does anyone even use the term greater Denver area? Well, that's, see, that's one thing. This takes work, y'all. Like this, this, it takes you actually work to do these things right. But if it's only two sentences, it'll cut down the amount of time you need because you're just kind of cutting amount the, uh, down the amount of volume that you're doing, right? Hello, Elizabeth. See your business owner in the greater Denver area. And I was wondering, Elizabeth, if you could tell me if you're having any luck at all using the internet to covet your client base of advisors to business owners. Mm -hmm. And then just shut up. And then that's it. Cut the message. Cut it. Two sentences. And then wait and see what the person says. Don't pitch a meeting. Don't pitch a service. Don't talk about how you have 20 years in the business and you work with half the Fortune 500. Elizabeth doesn't care. She does not care. She does not know you. Think She thinks it's garbage anyways until she knows you. Right. And then I might add that I've, that I was just, um, I was just talking with someone yesterday that, uh, my, you know, after spending an entire career working with people who own businesses, 
they're not they're not that different from you and me. They they just do not have the attention span or the time to read more than those two sentences. And I and I was talking with someone maybe on our team and saying the other thing that you have to do is these sentences cannot be long, and you cannot uh, bury the lead. It's, I don't. I, that's sort of just what I call it. But put the most important thing way at the end after a bunch of other words because I find that people get tired. If you notice this, if you if you use too many words before the interesting word, then people get tired and stop reading your even even one sentence. Is I that, mean, that to be true? ADHD. Yes, absolutely. People yes. get ADHD induced by being on the internet. Yeah. So so say it and say it and say it quick and try to get a good you know an important word in and then because this is this is you know when the um, advisors and firms that you've worked with they I assume that that you've got a certain number of people who've kind of adopted this methodology and th so they are they're interested in connecting with you know some particular demographic or or market that they're interested in developing and uh, and they are and they are doing it in a in a sort of any an efficient way and what is their you know what is your sort of observation or your recommendation on how an advisor or a firm how or when they move from this sort of this sort of um, making a connection or getting a reaction or a response or something like that to you know to a, a more right. sort of traditional relationship is it all about asking that question and trying to find a thing that the person you're asking is interested in and then and then using that to move towards sort of a more I don't know, or or is it just like this constant back and forth and sharing that goes on until the person decides that they need your help? Which do you see more often or being successful? So okay, so this is called what I call a transition. Okay, so somebody accepts, and you don't know why. Understand first when somebody accepts your LinkedIn connection request or joins your email newsletter list or subscribes to you on YouTube or whatever you're doing. I mean, whatever you're doing in marketing. They, they haven't really told you unless they come right out and tell you. I mean, and this is like 1% of the time this happens, but it will happen if you do this enough. They're going to come right out and tell you, oh, I'm so glad you found me. I'm actually looking for succession planning. Okay, fine, right? That was a, 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 a dud. That was a bonus. That was the anomaly. Right. Most of the time, they're going to accept with, for one of the few reasons, the following reasons. One, they just accept everybody. They didn't really even read your message. They just want to grow their network and they don't care who accepts, who, who they accept or who they have in their network. Okay. Two, they understand what you do and they're in the market, but they're not going to tell you because they don't want you to spam and barf on them. Right. Three, they know what you do and they're not interested at this point, but they might be in the future. So I would say most of the people fall into the three category. Now, if they fall into the number two category, which is they're interested, but they ain't going to tell you they need to be prompted a little bit and the only way that you're going to get to the truth about why they accepted from you and why they are connected with you and what they're looking for is to ask them questions because they're not going to tell you so you've got to i mean you could you could do this through a variety of different ways you could just start posting content that is really specific to them but you've got to ask them questions at first i would start with softer questions like saying to them and I mean, I've experimented, I'm not going to lie. I do marketing experience with these messages. Like this is, I've 
tested this and it's been proven over time what works better and what doesn't. But at first I thought, well, I can just ask them like, you know, uh, uh, like someone connects with me and I can just ask them, what's the number one question you have about this, about whatever, like succession planning or, or mm -hmm. financial advising or marketing or whatever. And you gotta, you gotta understand that when it's that direct a question, they still don't know you just because they accepted, that's not necessarily that they're signing off. So that still is too direct a question. Agreed. So it could be something more indirect. You could, I mean, I'm not a big fan of sending them information before they indicate what topics they may be interested in. Right. Because the other thing, like you would say, oh, he's a business owner. She's a business owner. She must be interested in succession planning. She's going to have to be at some point. And then you just kind of send them this like blog you wrote on succession planning. Well, that's kind of a bar. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I found that you get a pretty good result with people that if you say something like, oh, I have a blog coming out on succession planning. Would this be something of interest or not? And then just see what they say. Because sometimes they'll say to you, no, it's not of interest, in which point you could say, oh, is there anything within the, the realm of business owner finance or the realm of business owner financial planning that you have questions about? And that's, a, that's actually a good question too. I mean, it's, it's possible that they just don't wanna to talk to you. They don't wanna interact. They just wanna be lurkers and read the stuff that you post, in which case they're probably not even gonna respond. So, I mean, I have a whole series, a whole sequence for where you go from here, but basically you've got to, I mean, a lot of people use these like AI services where you can send like a hundred messages a day. I mean, I agree with sending a higher volume, the higher the volume, usually the better, like, but I, if you can get out 10 LinkedIn messages a week, I think that over time, if you do that consistently, you'll have a nice business for yourself. And the reason is that if you do this carefully, a certain percent, like one out of every 10, if you get one new person following you or talking to you a week over a month, that's four or five people. Those are not bad statistics. I mean, obviously, if you could get 100 every week, that would be better. But I don't really think it works. Some of these AI automatic responder messages where they just go through a sequence that's automated. I think people I think there's no substitute for sincerity. And I think people want to feel like you're honestly listening to them, that there's a human being that understands them. And I do not think you can fake that or automate that. So unfortunately, you've got to go a little slower. Um, and that's the other thing, like people think, oh, the internet is very fast. Well, the internet is also very crowded and the internet is also responsible for a lot of the noise and the static that people find really annoying. So you've got to just take, the, it can actually be very time consuming if you're going to do this correctly, because you've got to come up with a good customized message that's not going to assault them, not going to be too direct, but it's also not going to, you know, annoy them by just asking them about something that they don't care about and that can actually take quite a while to do. Right, right. So then if we turn it around and let's say I am, well, for BEIs, BEIs advisors uh, do work with business owners in, of various kinds. And, <clears throat> and do you have any sense for, if I'm a business owner, I am a, I'm a, I'm a client, I'm a customer of someone, how, you know, are there statistics or articles or data on, you know, how people proactively search for? So if I'm an advisor and I would like to be found so that I can explore a, a, a proper relationship with a potential client, is it, are there, are there, is there data that tells me things to make sure that I do or don't do in order to 
to sort of the flip side of this, rather than being proactive and going out and looking for people, right. I also want to have a presence that makes me findable and certainly approachable, but that's pretty easy to do and, and interesting and competent. Uh, what, what is the, what does the data say about that? Yeah. I mean that, so when you're reaching out to people actively, I would call that push marketing, but when you're posting content and trying to build a presence that is findable, I would call that pull marketing pull. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you can really pull people in too. Here is where you've got to be a little bit strategic about it. So most people don't have, unless they're marketing people or they've got a lot of press exposure, they generally don't have thousands and thousands of people following you. And until you have at least 2000 people following you, you're really not going to get any significant traction in terms of reaching your target group. Um, unless you've built the audience that way, but let's be honest, like within a, if you have a thousand people following you, a lot of it is like random people. Right. right, like vendors and competitors, and people, and also uh, my mother. Right, like friends of yours. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so um, you've got to get in front of the audience that someone else has already gathered. That would be the easiest way to do that. So, okay. an example is guest blogging. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it can be pretty hard to get into like the New York Times, right? Like they're not going to accept guest submissions. But if you approach editors of publications that you're targeting get clients read, you've got to make a pretty compelling argument. You've got to, you, first of all, you have to, again, do the work and research it almost as if this is a client that you are pitching something to. You have to understand that publication. What have they published that was really good? What have they published that was bad and didn't work out? Don't propose that. Who do they target? What is the missing gap in information that you feel that you can fill? Um, and then you have to create a pitch for them, a pitch to write an article discussing that. So a great example of a great pitch would be as if you said something like this, hey, Katie, I was reading this latest article in Business Owner Weekly, and you talked about the emotional ramifications of selling a business. One thing that I think you should discuss is that the depression rate is actually higher amongst people who've just sold a business. This actually happens, but no one's talking about it. If I made an article with the three things that you can do to help to not fall into a depression after you sell your business, would that be of interest to you to publish in your publication as a carry on to, as an add on to this last article that you just wrote, which I thought, you know, got a good amount of interest from your viewers. Mm -hmm. Because you got to understand their business, right? These editors, like, they just want, they want views, they want good quality remarks, they want engagement, they don't want to promote your business, like, that's your agenda, that's not theirs. So you have right. to give them a pitch that seemingly they can't refuse. And you got to help them promote their own, their business or their publication. And also an added bonus is that for advisors and firms who are, are clients of, of BEI, we you know, we help them generate content that they can use for those kinds of purposes. So advisor firms that work with us, all we you know that's one of the things that we do is support their ability to to show up with something of high quality. Uh, the part that that is critical is the part that you're talking about, which is the research, the background, the thoughtfulness the, and the strategy and the and the initiative. So I don't, we don't do any of that for them, really. But but uh, once once they take the steps that you're describing, then then 
than the sort of, oh, now I have to sit and write that article. Well, maybe not. Maybe BEI can help you with that. But I think I see your point that that, you know, I do find that this is a that this is fairly common with, you know, you're, you're sort of all the things that are involved in in what you're calling pull marketing, which is that uh, I see a lot of it that is intended to be uh, I'm Elizabeth and I'm an advisor and I'm amazing and I'm really smart and I do a lot of things. I have specialties that, you know, that are important instead of saying I'm Elizabeth, I'm an advisor and I've learned a few things. You know, this is actually what we're doing in our podcast series now is you know, I've learned a few things over the years and I thought other people might want to hear about those and might benefit from things that I've learned. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to give those to you. So that's kind of sounds like what you're saying is that do it, do it knowledgeably, do it with, do it with your research being done and then, and do it for their benefit, not for your own. Yeah. And also understand you get one shot at the editors mm -hmm. um, because they get pitched all the time. Yep. So, uh, make it good. Like I recently got the attention of a bunch of reporters for a client of mine. And I was like, we gotta like, you know, cause, and then the reporter asked us like, what, what are you, what are you seeing in the market? And I was like, we better think good and hard about that. <laughs> you know, you, like you don't get a second chance, right? right. This person, right. it was from a big publication too. And I'm like, he ain't coming back for more. He ain't giving us a second chance. So um, the other thing you could do is you can actually advertise. And I wouldn't be scared to do that because it can actually be done relatively inexpensively. Like my clients that are on YouTube, we advertise for, and this is not a guarantee. I don't want anyone coming at me saying like, oh, my ad rates were so much higher. It depends on what you're advertising. But if you create a YouTube channel and you make a really informative video, um, you can boost it for like many times 20 cents a view and a view is 30 seconds on YouTube. So, you know, those skippable in-stream ads that come on when you start mm -hmm. to watch a video on YouTube. Um, so YouTube, if you do this correctly, is going to place it into a video that your target audience is watching based upon keywords that you specify. Mm -hmm. And this can be done relatively inexpensively. Like if you do the math on that, you can get thousands of views for, you know, potentially like $50, $100. So that's not going to kill you financially. And it's much less expensive than a lot of other forms of advertising, for example, Facebook or LinkedIn. Like LinkedIn is expensive, um, is probably, I think, one of the most expensive ones on the scale. The most expensive one is Google AdWords. Like if you want to be found in Google search, mm -hmm. but here's a tip. If Google doesn't have content on the specific thing you're talking about, they'll go to YouTube because YouTube is a Google product. Right. So instead of paying, I'm, I'm like, I've had this happen for clients where like, or I made a video actually about like how to archive a YouTube video because a lot of the financial people need to archive for compliance, but yet like a lot, they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to archive a video off of YouTube. And so I made a video about it. And then I think Google skips directly to it when someone searches on like how to archive a YouTube video, because I don't think there are many blogs about how to archive a YouTube video for financial compliance. Mm -hmm. like almost no one's written about this or, or done anything on this. So if you have the first mover advantage, that can be pretty lucrative for you. You know, Google is probably one of the most powerful search engines in the world, if not the number one. And YouTube's getting up there as well. Right. The most searches. So. Right. Yeah. Right. 
Okay, well, we're, we're running low on time, but I think that, I think that what we've learned today is, uh, you know, I, don't be afraid, uh, don't be shy, don't be quiet, um, say something useful, say something that's maybe not about yourself. And no, it has to be about them, not you. Yes. Like them, not you. I, I just don't think we can talk about that enough. So right. stop talking about yourselves. Don't barf. Right. Yeah. Business owners, clients, human beings are just not that interested. Uh, you know, but but they're they're probably online because they do have some self-interest in something. And if they're looking or reading or receiving, then they're doing it through their own you know, through their own lens. So, so, you know, be something that gets through that lens. And, and, uh, and Sarah, you mentioned you have a podcast. What is the name of your podcast in case our listeners would like to go and listen to yours? That's just Sarah Grillo. Sarah Grillo. And it's S-A-R-A-G-R-I-L-L-O. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot more information there. As I said, Sarah's a consultant. So there are, um, opportunities for you to learn more from her. I appreciate, Sarah, all the ideas that you've given us today. These are sort of things, I think they're things that we know, but they are, if you say them concisely, then I can say, okay, I can focus on that. So I appreciate your sort of, you're sort of narrowing it down to the essentials and quantifying when possible. A lot of people don't do that. And uh, and it's pretty valuable to when somebody does. So, so thanks very much. Any place else that people should look for you? What's your website? SarahGrillo.com. S-A-R-A. -A, no H, by the way. I was born in a recession year, so we had to go H-less. Right. Tough. S-A-R-A-G-R-I-L-L-O.com. And I have I have a podcast. I have a YouTube channel. I have a weekly newsletter. Um, just join my newsletter list and, um, you know, you'll be seeing some pretty cool stuff. I'm humorous. The only way I can maintain my sanity, like I do it more for me than even for the audience for me to like be comical, but it, it's a comical newsletter, you know? Excellent. Yes, I've seen it and I like it, so I recommend. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Sarah. I appreciate your time today. Uh, those who are listening, thanks for being here. We appreciate you listening. Stay tuned for additional episodes. We'll be back with more various and, and interesting topics. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Join us for our next episode. For more content like this, please visit exaplaining.com.